بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وبارك على الأشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين النبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم أما بعد today alhamdulillah we wish to continue what we discussed previously which was the third martaba of Islam which is يعني إحسان الإحسان I mentioned some of the manners in which Ihsan occurs, يعني Ihsan in ibadah, Ihsan or Ihsan in terms of your creed, what you believe in Allah Ta'ala, Ihsan in the affirmation of Tawheed al-Uluhiyah, Ihsan when it comes to affirmation of the that of Allah, يعني that, that which is in the existence of Allah Ta'ala, as well as his asma wa sifat. And likewise, we mentioned the manner in which ibadah occurs is that there are two central pillars in order that ibadah is established upon. Ibadah is established upon these two, cent- two central pillars. The first of it being yani al-mahabba, love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the second being al-khudu' yani that the individual has humility before his Lord tabarak wa ta'ala. And Thereafter, we wish to discuss as well from the mean, from the different forms of, of uh, Ihsan as mentioned by Sheikh uh, Zaid. Is Ihsan amal Ihsan fi sha'air ta'abudiyah bada'an bi tahara alati farad Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala fi kitabi wa bayyanaha Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam bayyanan mufassilan fi sunnatihi. And so, with this affair of Ihsan as well, we should discuss is the ihsan which is found within the legislation right, the sha'ir of Allah and the manner in which we establish ibadah beginning with tahara beginning with the manner in which we purify ourselves for indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made an obligation upon us by way of that which is found up in his book as well as that which is mentioned in detail within the Sunnah of the Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam. One of the proofs of that is the statement of Allah tabarak wa ta'ala. Ya iwa alladheena aamanu idha kumtum ala salati faqsilu wajuhakum wa aidiyakum ila al-marafiqi wa amsuhu bi ru'usikum wa arjulakum ila al-ka'bin. And so the proof for that being the statement of Allah tabarak wa ta'ala, all you believe, if you come to stand in the prayer, then wash your faces, your arms up to the up until the elbows, wipe over the head, and wash the feet until the ankles, up to the ankles. And <coughs> thereafter Allah Ta'ala mentions, When kuntum junaban fatahharu in kuntum mardaw ala safrin ja or ja ahadum minkum min al ghai. أو لامستم النساء فلم تجدوا ماء فتيمموا صعيدا طيبا فامسحوا بوجوهكم وأيد وأيدكم منه. And thereafter Allah Taala he mentions and if you are in the state of Janaba then purify yourself and if you are sick or upon a journey and it comes you have the need to relieve oneself or you have touched women by way of marital relations and you do not have any water 
Then use the pure herb and wipe your faces and your hands. And so here thus within the ayah, Allah Ta'ala makes clear the affair of purification. Uh, the purification beginning with wudu. Uh, the wudu using the ma'atukhur. Yeah, using the pure water. And if the person is not able to do so by way of using the ma'atukhur, then uh, if the water is not present, for example, then the person purifies himself by way of making tayammum. Uh, the actual tayammum where they wipe upon the limbs, wipe on the face, wipe on the arms, by way of uh, this action of tayammum, in place of يعني, the wudu and the water. And so this is an example of how what we find within the legislation is that the one that is sincerely seeking to be upon ihsan in his ibadah that begins with his tahara, that he needs to perfect his purification in order to be upon ihsan. Likewise as well, the one that seeks to be upon ihsan and his ibadah, then he must establish the prayer. He can't be upon iqamat al-salah. Who you find in this affair of iqamat al-salah is mentioned in the Qutb al-Fiqh. Or shuruhat al-Hadith. You can find a book that explains al-Hadith. will explain the kaifiyat al-salah. Or if you open the books of fiqh, explain the kaifiyat al-salah. How the person establishes the prayer. And you find that the ulama and the fuqaha have mentioned this in a manner which is awesa, in his bath, discussing all of the facets of the affair of the salah. But as we mentioned previously, when the salah is mentioned within the nusus, the salah is mentioned as a qamatan, that the salah is mentioned as something that needs to be established. And it's not mentioned as the mere performance of the action. Why? Because the person, or what's required from the believer, is to establish the prayer. Establish the prayer first and foremost in accordance with the hadith of the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, where he mentions, Sallu, kama salli, pray as you see me praying. Likewise, the person needs to establish the salah in a manner which is with khushu'. Yani he has his heart attentive to that salah. So it's not the mere action. Rather, he's praying as if the Prophet ﷺ prayed. For the man, he seeks to establish the salah in the jama'ah. All of this from, from establishing the prayer. And so this, all this is from ihsan of the individual. And this is ihsan that occurs in all of the arkan of Islam. And it tells the ibadah that the person seeks to attain and to be upon ihsan by way of it. Likewise, Sheikh Zaid mentions as well, ihsan is needed when it comes to the manhaj of jihad. Jihad fi sibirillah, fight for the sake of Allah. As well as the manhaj of da'wah ilallah. When you call to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the person must be upon ihsan, must seek to perfect the manner in which they do so. And that they must seek to يعني, call 
in a manner which is in accordance with the haqq. For indeed, a da'wah, Shaykh mentioned a da'wah, is a form from different forms of jihad. Yani according to Islam, according to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's one of the different forms of jihad. And it's possible that the da'wah is the action of teaching the people and directing them away from shirk towards tawheed in a manner which is correct. Or directing them away from ma'asi towards ta'ah, towards obedience, directing them away from disobedience and call them to the affair of obedience. All of this, all these things are from the greatest forms of jihad. Yeah, according to Allah. According to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. According to the sunnah of the Nabi alayhi salatu wa salam. لأنه فيه إرضاء للرب وإحياء للقلوب. It's an action that brings about the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa taala, the pleasure of His Lord, and gives life to the hearts of the believers. And it's a means of giving insight to the ummah. And then Sheikh mentions an important point here where he says, وَلَا يَكُونَ إِحْسَانَ فِي الدَّعْوَةِ إِلَى اللَّهِ إِلَّا إِذَا سَلَكَ الدُّعَاءِ إِلَى اللَّهِ مَسْلَكَ الرُّسُلُ وَالْأَنْبِيَاءِ فِي الدَّعْوَةِ And so it's not possible that you have إِحْسَانَ in da'wah except that the da'i, the caller, traverses upon the path that the call is to Allah the, the prophets and the messengers were upon in their calls. So it's not possible that a person embarks upon calling to Allah in a manner that he feels like doing. It's whatever he, whatever he feels like doing at any particular point in time. And then he wants that to coincide with being upon Ihsan. No, rather Ihsan in all affairs is in need of يعني, being in accordance or Ihsan all affairs is in need of يعني, the affair of Tawqifiyah. Ihsan is in need of being in accordance with the Sunnah and the Messenger of Allah. And da'wah is no different. The call is no different. Calling to Allah is no different. And so, specifically, when it comes to the Ummah of Muhammad, وسلم, then they must. They are traversed upon that path that has been laid out to them in the manner in which they give dawah and adhere to the affair of dawah in that, in the manner in which the anbiya were upon, and at the end of them, the final one from them, the Prophet Muhammad, as well as adhering to the, to the patience that they were upon. They remained patient in all of the affairs that came about. Where individuals sought to overcome them 
They were impatient. And this is the tariqah of da'wah. And the one that is seeking to be upon ihsan in da'wah, he first and foremost gives da'wah in the same way that the, the, the Anbiya Rasul gave da'wah. But also, if you're going to give the same da'wah as them, then you have to accept that you may face some of the trials or a portion of the trials that they face. And if you face a trial or a portion of the trials that they face, then upon you is patience in that regard as well. Because they adhere to patience. The person cannot say, I want to be a muhsin fi da'wati. I want to be from the, from the muhsinin in da'wah. But I'm going to call to the way of the prophets and messengers. But as soon as the trials come, I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave it. No, rather, you have to be aware of the da'wah and aware of his trials. Rather, some of the anbiya and rusul were killed due to the da'wah that they gave. Due to them calling to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so, it's a must, thus, that the da'i, it's understood that the da'i, the caller, he takes that path that has been laid out by the anbiya and rusul. These individuals that began their da'wah with the aqidah to tawheed. When they called the people, they began with tawheed. Irrespective of whatever was going on in their life. Whatever was going on in the land that they lived in. Whatever the trials were upon their ummah, upon their nation. Their da'wah always began with tawheed. This is something that Shaykh Rabi'ah, he mentioned. In his book, yeah, for those of the prophets and calling to Allah. He mentions examples of Musa alayhi salam. Musa alayhi salam lived in the time of Fir'aun. Tyrants. The one that claimed Rububiyah for himself. The one that killed the Abana of Bani Israel. The sons of Bani Israel. Naam, oppressed. Israel. And his da'wah did not begin with warning against Fir'aun due to his zulm, essentially. Rather, Musa al-Islam, his da'wah began with warning against Fir'aun by way of his shirk and establishing tawheed within the hearts and the actions of the people. For no doubt, if a person sees trials and tribulations and they want no trials and tribulations to be rectified, then of course, yeah, and it's one taqi, it's logical that you rectify your relationship with the one that has control of over all affairs. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How is it that you want every, your affairs to be rectified but you don't rectify your relationship with Allah and you're beginning with your aqidah? When we say people need to have good manners, mafalan, Good manners begins with your manners with your Lord. Your manners with your Lord is your aqidah, your creed. And so the da'i, when he's seeking to rectify a people, he needs to rectify the people when it comes to the manners that they have with their Lord, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if they have good manners with their Lord, then they can look at rect the rectification of their affairs. Because then they can turn to their Lord and ask of him. They can ask Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why? Because they're muwahidun. People told him, he gave Allah Ta'ala his due right. But before that, 
how can they not give Allah Ta'ala his rights but expect him to change their affairs for the better? Likewise, Sheikh Rui mentions the da'wah of Yusuf alayhi salam. Well, he was in prison. I was in prison. You run me wrongfully. And when he was within the prison, he gave da'wah to Tawheed. He spoke to the prisoners, the people in the prison with him. And he spoke to them about Tawheed. The Tawheed of Allah Ta'ala. That's how his da'wah began. Alayhi salam. Not anything else. Not about his false imprisonment. Not regarding any, anything that he had, any grievance that he had, any personal grievance that he had. No, Rabbi, I began to tell him, calling <coughs> to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, first and foremost, because he, alayhi salam, recognized that this is what brings about rectification for the people. This is what brings about rectification for the people and what they're upon. And so thus, Jackie goes on to mention that an example of what opposes this affair are these madaharat, yeah, and these protests that happen in all these lands. And he mentions, he describes it as his urge and annoyance. Naam. And essentially, this is what this is what protesting is. Even the, the protesters themselves, they would describe it as that. They would describe their, they would describe their actions as an annoyance and an inconvenience. And so, they shouldn't become offended if we say it's annoying, or it's an inconvenience. Well, that's that is the essential goal of what they're doing. That they want to cause an inconvenience. They want to cause a disruption. And they they justify those those disruptions by way of what? by way of their, their statement that we need to draw attention to whatever the affair is. Affair X, affair Y. Whatever the affair is, they want to draw attention to it. So we're going to disrupt whatever the, the affair is of that day. We're going to close down the middle of, of, the, of, the, of, the, of the, whatever city it is. And close all the roads. Or method where you have these people now where they say we block the roads. We stand in front of people and make sure we don't get to work. And they're already aware that it's an inconvenience. And this is the, 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 the guise of this whole action of mudaharat, when it comes to this affair of um, protesting. And we have to understand, when it comes to protesting, first and foremost, this is not a manner of giving da'wah. This is not the manner of all of the Anbiya Rasul. Just mention an example of how they gave da'wah. Kind of tawheed. Irrespective of whatever their hal was, whatever their situation was, again, because we're referring to back to the main topic, Ihsan. The Anbiya Rusul sought people on Ihsan. And their da'wah was no different. So they began their da'wah with tawheed. And so when a person understands this affair of mudaharat, yani, when it comes to protesting and the likes of that, we must understand that first and foremost, this is not an Islamic approach to da'wah. It's not an Islamic approach to calling people to the haq and inviting people to the truth. Why? Because essentially, when it comes to this affair of madaharat, it has its asl, its origins within the methodology, 
known as democratia, in the democracy. And democracy, in of itself, has a basis upon ilhad. Its basis comes from the belief or the, the, the assumption or the creed of there not being a deity. I, uh, the, the, the disbelief in Allah Ta'ala, atheism. And it's built upon central tenets. It was mentioned by Sheikh Muhammad Abana Jami. Sheikh Muhammad Abana Jami mentioned central tenets that have to be uh, present in order for democracy to thrive. And it all, it all center around what is referred to as hurriya, yani freedom. Naam. So you have hurriya to deen. The first of them, as he mentions, hurriya to deen, freedom in deen. He also mentions hurriya to adab. So he mentions hurriya to adab. Yani the first has freedom when it comes to mannerisms. Yani manners. Third thing he mentions is hurriya. That the person has freedom of opinion. And also he mentioned and has free and they mentioned the tenant of freedom when it comes to laws that are laid out. Establishing laws. All of them you have to understand are based upon this affair of atheism. And a rejection of the existence, the existence of Allah. So the first of them was what? Freedom of what? Deen. So they will say that the person can worship whatever he wants to worship. He does whatever he wants to do. That he can, if, he is, if he was born into a Muslim family and he ties decides to become a Christian, there's no problem with that. He's born in a Christian family and decides to become a Buddhist, no problem with that. He's born into a Jewish family, decides to become a Muslim, no problem with that. So even if even when it comes to the affair of person embracing Islam, they will claim all of this is upon yeah, their freedom. Whilst, well, we know that Allah Ta'ala mentions in the deen, in the Allah al-Islam. Indeed, the religion of Allah is Islam. There's no religion other than Islam that's going to be accepted within individuals. However, because there's the claim or the, the, the underpinning basis that there's of, of atheism within this affair of democracy, then they will say that you have the freedom to do whatever you want. Why? Because as far as they're concerned, all of the adyan are tafiha. All of the religions are insignificant. So choose whatever you want. Do whatever you want. Because they're all insignificant. Now, does that make sense? The second, we said, is freedom in what? Adab. Essentially, what do you think this is referring to? We say freedom in Adab. Manners, but how? Now, specifically, what? Now, it's referring to essentially zina. That the person has freedom in Adab, freedom to do whatever they want in terms of actions of zina and the likes of that, fornication. Adultery. Naam. And there is no repercussions for it. There's no repercussions for it. Except for if, if the law states that it is not consensual. With no consent, that's, that's the only time that the law will step in. 
when based upon a, democ a, a democratic society. Now, in any other scenario, the people are, are able to carry themselves however they want. Now, in terms of zina, in terms of how they carry themselves, who they do it with, whoever they, if they're married or not married, doesn't matter. If it's a man and he does, and he's with a woman, that's, that's acceptable. If the man is with another man, is acceptable. All of it's acceptable. Why? Because it's the, the adab of an individual is left to his own will. Now, again, false freedom. The other one we mentioned was what? Right. Yeah, the person has freedom in opinion. That the person can voice whatever opinion he wants to voice. Now, whatever he feels like is correct, he can voice it. As and it's stated by way of this statement, freedom of speech. Say whatever you want to say. It could be the uh, it could be kalam, which is absolutely believed, absolute stupidity. But it has free as a freedom to say it, and the people and the people have to listen to him, and the people cannot stop him from saying what he's saying, because he has the freedom to uh, to opine anything he wants to. So it's mentioned here by Sheikh, Sheikh Muhammad Amal. So again, this is from the tenets of that that the person. Can say whatever they want to say. It's not or it's not doesn't matter. Asadi is not enforcement regarding that. Another thing mentioned, Kawanin. The freedom when it comes to Kawanin, Yani lay, laying down laws whatever you see fit at whatever given time. Whatever you see fit at whatever given time, you lay down these laws. Naam. And so, what this suggests, all of these things, is that this is a negation of the Sharia of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. That Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala has set hudud, has set boundaries in how we carry ourselves, yeah, in terms of our adab, our mannerisms. Has set boundaries in terms of where do where do we speak? When we speak, we speak based upon Quran and Sunnah. Allah Ta'ala set those boundaries. Allah Ta'ala set the boundaries when it comes to the Qawaneen. The laws. He's laid down the laws. And so it's not for the person now to operate upon whatever laws he sees fit at whatever given time. What you find, for example, there are laws that were made in 1987, 1988 that won't be relevant today. Because the, the people today think that we don't want those same laws. And in another 10 years, we don't want those laws anymore. Why? Because the people have hurriya. They believe they have freedom when it comes to laws. They believe that they, 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 this establishment is underpinned by the fact that they, are not, they have not been set hudud, qawaneen, a sharia by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so when you have all of these things together, naam, and it enters upon the Muslims, then what you find, an example or, or a, uh, a result of that, is what you find from these madaharat, from these protests. Why? Because the people believe that they have a right to be heard. What, I, what my opinion is has to be heard. Why? Freedom of opinion. Everyone has a right to say something. 
It doesn't matter if, if we're speaking about authority or not. Everyone has a right. In reality, this is batil. This is a falsehood because Allah Ta'ala has set boundaries. Allah Ta'ala has set boundaries within the Quran. Allah Ta'ala has set boundaries within the Sunnah of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu And the Salaf Salih understood it in that same manner. And so for our people to come afterwards and establish this new way or, or mimic what they see from the non-Muslims in terms of yani, uh, protesting because they've been given this understanding that everyone's voice has equal has equal weight. This is a It's a falsehood. And it's not accepted the Sharia doesn't accept that. Nor does the Akhara accept that. The sound intellect does not accept that everyone has the equal say. So when we say, for example, this affair of voting, and an individual says, I'm going to vote for this party or that party, whatever it is. And he's 18 years old. He hasn't seen a single government in his life. Well, maybe he's still in college. And then you have another individual that seems successful government, successful government. And they're both going to vote. And both of their votes are going to hold the same, same weight. Now again, this goes back to everyone has an opinion. And everyone's opinion needs to be heard. Again, it's Bartim. It's a falsehood. And so when you have this affair, going back to the, the, this affair of you know, protesting, and people establish these protests as a means of doubt, now, one thing, one thing to protest is Bartim. It's another thing now to call it da'wah. Then, of course, you are completely opposed the da'wah of the Anbiya Rusul. And thus, completely opposed Ihsan in giving da'wah. And so, that's, this is what is understood from that. Likewise, Sheikh Zaid, Rahimahullah, he mentioned as well from Ihsan, is Al-Ihsan in Al-Wala wal-Bara. Al-Wala wal-Bara. So the person establishes Ihsan when it comes to loving and hating for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so it's a must that if a person loves Allah, that he loves for the sake of Allah. These things are mutalaziman. Loving Allah, loving for the sake of Allah, they're mutalaziman. They go hand in hand. One follows the other. One completes the other. Loving Allah is the basis. Loving for the sake of Allah is the completion of that. As Allah Ta'ala states, And Allah Ta'ala mentions, they do not find the people that believe in Allah and Allah, even Allah in the last day, where they have love and companionship for the ones that oppose Allah and His Messenger. And this is what we find in these ayats and texts in relation to that. That the person establishes love amongst the Muslims. As Sheikh Zaid mentioned as well earlier on in the text, i.e. when he's explaining that, those, 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 those ayats, Surah Al-Majadana, he mentions that the love for an individual is going to be nisbi. Your love for a person is going to be dependent upon what is apparent from him. So 
واصل اف اذا موحد اف اذا بيرسون فون توحيد يكون تلوف هيم فور التوحيد however if it's apparent from him any degree of fisk any degree of wrongdoing any degree of sin then you will hate him for that sin that he's upon and this is the this is the creed of the believer that we we love the we love the person for what he's upon from khair and we have hatred for them for that we're upon from evil and it's not as some of the nasara claim that you hate the sin and not the sinner you hate the sin and not the sinner i you hate the fi'l and not the fa'il you hate the you hate the action but not the one doing the action but rather you have the individual he's doing the action so you hate him for his, for doing the action and so this is a discussion where some of the hizbiyun and ahlul bid'ah they will seek to make or blur the lines when it comes to the affair of the relationship amongst the muslims why because their individual creed is one where they are seeking for the muslims to be united in a manner that is opposition to the haq in opposition to the haq yani meaning that they seek for the muslims to be united in a manner where is based upon the principle al-ma'dhara wa ta'awun yani ma'dhara wa ta'awun yani the principle of the ikhwan al-muslimin where we leave off that which we disagree upon and we come together upon what we agree upon we leave off that which we disagree upon and we come together upon what we agree upon however if now for example you have an individual mathalan from amongst the rafida bal yantasib al-islam However, he he inscribes uh, Islam. However, he's a person that curses the companions. Naam. And then you have the person, Yadda'i is Salafi. Yadda'i is Salafi. He claims to be Salafi. How are they going to unite upon what? Or you have the individual that negates the names and attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I, you, what you believe in, in relation to your Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala, or what he believes in relation to his Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala, are completely different. And he negates the names and attributes. Or he seeks to explain them away. And then you have the, the one, the individual, again, Yadda'i Salafiyya, claims to be upon Salafiyya, and he affirms the names and attributes. This is not a, this is not a basis for the individual being upon the haqq. Or this is not a basis for unity. So thus, if the person is upon Islam, not just a claim to claim it to Islam. But it's upon Islam. It's from Ahlul Qibla. It's from Muwahideen. However, it's upon Bid'ah. Naam. It's upon innovation. These two things do not negate one another. Both of these things can coexist. It's possible for you to love the individual for the Tawheed that he's upon. As Sheikh Zaidi mentioned, you love him for the Tawheed that he's upon. However, you hate him for his fist. What's his fisk in this regard? His bid'ah. His innovation. And so these two things are mutalazim. They go hand in hand. And so it's not a case where it's all love or all hatred. It's all absolute. Why? Because Ahlul Sunnati wal Jama'ah, our affair is not absolute. And the discussion around these things can be nuanced. And is, but is nuanced. It's the fact, the reality is, is that when it comes to a person, if he's upon if he's upon Islam, we love him for his Islam. However, if he's clear, clearly upon fisk, transgression, whatever the transgression may be, naam, 
then of course we we have hatred them for their transgressions. If necessary, we make hajr of them. We boycott them for their transgressions. And this is not something that would be, even be argued if it was something other than bid'ah. If you knew that a person was a Muslim, but he's a bank robber, <laughs> no one would have any problem saying, do you know what, we're not going to, we're not going to sit with him. We're not going to sit with Fulan because he robs banks. People accept that. But when it comes to affair, the affair now, where someone's mukhalif is sunnah, fajaat an ishkal, fajaat ishkal. Now the person seeks to find problems with that. But the reality is, is that it's absolutely clear. And that these two things are not, they're not, they're not two things that oppose, that oppose one another. And so, wallah wal bara, no doubt, is from ihsan. And establishing the wala wal bara is from ihsan. As the Messenger of Allah sallallahu mentioned, al Muslim akhul Muslim. That the Muslim is a brother to the Muslim. The Muslim is a brother to the Muslim. And likewise, you have a statement, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, la yu'minu ahadukum hatta yuhibba li akhihi. Now, if you truly believe until you love for your brother, that which you love for yourself. And so, this is how the person adheres to this affair of Iman. And so, all of this is from the affair of the person's Ihsan. Likewise, as the Sheikh mentioned as well from Ihsan, is that the individual adheres to the Sunan. The person adheres to the Sunan, to the affairs of Sunnah, the Sunnah of Ratiba, or Ghair Ratiba, for example, the Salawat. So a person seeks to, seeks to be upon Ihsan, he seeks to be upon the Sunan as well, i.e., the voluntary act. For example, the Salawat, there's voluntary Salawat. That person can strive to be upon. And what I advise brothers to do, if you haven't already, is read about the different salawat that you can pray and the different opportunities for khair. Generally, now we know about yeah, the Sunnah Rawatib, the Sunnah Rawatib. However, there's other salawat that a person can pray for in different scenarios. And so what is beneficial for the individual is that he learns about them, he reads about them, he reads a hadith about them. He reads some of the hadith about the rewards that I mentioned within them. So it encourages himself to, to, do these, to do these actions. Likewise, when it comes to the zakah, of course zakah is an obligation. But given sadaqah, given charity, Likewise, giving charity is from the actions that are voluntary. I voluntary charity. And there's always opportunities to give charity, especially in this country that we live in here. No doubt, this country that we live in is one which is, as they say, ta'ban. 
Nah, there's not there's not much pain here. Nah, due to the due to who we live amongst, due to the nature of the people that are here, due to the nature of the the the, the people that are that we live under, nah, that we live amongst Mujrimin. However, there's opportunities for khair as well. Sometimes opportunities for khair that are not present in other lands, in the Muslim lands. As uh, reminds me of, of, uh, of something that the Sheikh, the Sheikh Zayd himself actually mentioned to our brothers in London before he passed away. Over, over 10 years ago, maybe 10 to 15 years ago now. And he mentioned that as an encouragement to them, he mentioned that that which you have in the UK is something that we do not have here in the Mamlaka Arabia to Saudi Arabia, in the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. We have the opportunity to call people to Islam. We have the opportunity to establish the call to Islam. Establish Ya'indaw to Islam. These, these people that are walking and not upon Islam, you have the opportunity to call them to that. And, and attain the rewards of calling them to that. That was an encouragement for our brothers. Likewise as well, in addition to that, we have the opportunity by way of our sadaqah to establish masajid. Now I'm establishing masajid, lillah. For indeed, when you look at the affair of the Muslim lands, alhamdulillah, in many of the Muslim lands, the masajid are established by the way of the The masajid are established by the rulers. Which is khayr. Of course. But no doubt here, the rulers will not be establishing masajid. They won't be establishing masajid upon sunnah. They might establish masajid, but not upon the sunnah. And so we have the opportunity to establish Masajid and attain that reward. When you hear the narration of Uthman ibn Affan, whoever builds for Allah Masjid, Allah Ta'ala build a house for him exactly. We can race towards the rewards like that. And that's by way of our salakah that we give. An example as well from the Ihsan in our actions is Ihsan when it comes to our fasting. I had a voluntary fast that a person can do. The voluntary fast of the Mondays and Thursdays, or the voluntary fast of the the free white days, the voluntary fast of the fast of Dawood, Naam, Yom Arafah, Yom Ashura. All of these days, all these opportunities to fast as well. The voluntary Umrah, or the voluntary Hajj, all these opportunities for Khair. And it reminds me as well, likewise, Barakallah Fikum, upon today's day of stories. It reminds me of a question that uh, one, of, one of the brothers, he asked him, one of the Mashaikh, and he asked, how do I remove this affair of hardening of the heart? How do I remove this feeling of, of my heart hardening? And the Shaykh prescribed four things prescribe four things. He said, ensure that you pray your sunnah rawatib. I pray your sunnah prayers. I after each salah or before or after each of the salawat, pray your sunnah prayers. He said, read something from Quran every day. Seek, strive to read at least a juz a day from the Quran. Seek to, to read at least a juz a day from the Quran. He said, fast as much as you can. If you can, fast 
the Prophet Dawood. You can't fast the Prophet Dawood. I never know what the Prophet Dawood is. No, because yani, uh, one, yeah, one day on, one day off. So you one day you fast, the other day you don't. And the final thing he mentioned was give something in sadaqah every day. Give something in sadaqah every day. All of these things that were mentioned uh, to the brother were actions of ihsan. A manner in which the, the person can adhere to ihsan in his, in his actions. And that each, each and every one of these actions, what they all had in common what that was was the fact that they were yani, uh, consecutive or or they were continuous actions. Naam, the actions were done continuously. They they were done, done continuously. Now consistent actions. And so in order, in order for the person to really seek to become Ihsan as well in terms of his ibadah, it requires a degree of consistency. And if a person wants to be upon Iman and to taste the sweetness of Iman upon him is consistency as well. If he wants to remove that feeling, for example, of that hardening of the heart, then it should be upon consistency. Likewise, from the Ihsan of, this, of the servant as well, his adherence to the Sunnah of the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, clinging to it. As Allah Ta'ala mentioned, فَإِنْتَنَازَعْتُمْ فِي شَيْءٍ فَرُدُّوهِ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ So Allah Ta'ala mentioned, if you come to differ upon an affair, then return it back to Allah and His Messenger. Thereafter, Shaykh al-Islam, Muhammad Abdul Wahab, has mentioned the delil, the proof, for Ihsan, where he mentions, Inna Allah ma'al ladheena taqaw wal ladheena hum muhsinoon. Indeed, Allah Ta'ala is with the ones that adhere to taqwa and the ones who are muhsinoon, that adhere to, yani asan. And so it's sufficient for them that Allah Ta'ala is with them. This ayah is a proof, for example, a proof of the fadl, first and foremost, of ihsan, by the virtue of ihsan. Likewise, this ayah is a proof of the ma'i of Allah, that Allah Ta'ala is with the creation by way of his end. And Allah Ta'ala is well aware of that which occurs within the creation. Well aware of what occurs amongst them by way of their actions, by way of their statements, and by, they, by way of that which resides within the heart. And this is what we understand from this affair of Ihsan. 
Within the ayah, Allah Ta'ala mentions that taqwa. In the taqwa of the serpent. And that taqwa is, is a karina. Yani it goes alongside and it's hand in hand. It's with ihsan. That the person cannot be upon ihsan except that he's upon taqwa. And the person can not be upon taqwa except that he's seeking to be upon ihsan. Uh, he's well aware of Allah Ta'ala watching him. And that ihsan and so ihsan occurs by way of the ibadat, by way of the worship, whether it be apparent or hidden, by way of speech, by way of action, in upon the manhaj which is correct and upright. And this, no doubt, Barakallahu Fikum, is just some of what we want to discuss in relation to Ihsan and that third martaba, that third level of deen. And of course, there's uh, so much more that could be said and so much more that we, we left in the future to share with you for time constraints. But this is what we wish to discuss with Allah. Allah Ta'ala A'lam. Barakallahu Fikum. وجزاكم الله خيرا وصلى الله وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم Generally speaking, yes, generally speaking. But, of course, you'd want to understand what the people are upon. Maybe it's possible that the people are not, are not aware of the, the da'a. And <coughs> you, you wish to, as inshallah, give them da'a. Give them da'a to tell it to them. And so, it may not be the best thing to inform others or to say to others that they're from bid'ah and create a barrier between you and them initially. You don't know. It d- d- depends on what the, what, what the thing. The best thing, the best thing to do, uh, if, if you know about the errors of that message you're in, and you're able to clarify it to the person, and the person is listening, uh, yani is someone that is of, uh, will listen with open ears, open heart. If you're in a masjid, for example, you hear Masjid Furqan, Naam, and you know the errors of Masjid Furqan. You know that they, they're the people that invite Ikhwanis. You know that, that they have the books of Sayyid Qutb in, the, in their masjid. Naam, you know that they are they're, they're people that within them have khadiji tendencies. And you see someone in the masjid, Naam, and you and you, you seek to to inform him of that. 
No problem. Um, no. This is the example. No. No. Car finance. It's it's very very difficult or near to impossible to find a car finance that is halal. In order for the car finance to be halal, <coughs> it would have to be a car finance where you are you are saying that you're going to pay this off in installments and there's no late fee. I, what, what happens if you don't... The question is, in a lot of these contracts, it could be cars or whatever it is, what happens if I don't make the payment? If they say, well, if you don't make the payment, there's a late fee, and as you see it here in the contract, then that contract is a, is a ribbery contract. A contract of ribbon. Why? Because within it is you're agreeing to riba. Even if you, even if you make all the payments, all those things, you're agreeing to riba. Why? Because that late payment is a form of riba and is actually riba of jahiliyyah. No, and it's an oppressive form of riba. Riba is oppressive anyway, but this one is oppressive. Because if you can't make the payment, that indicates what? You can't afford it. So if you can't afford it, how are you gonna how are you gonna charge someone even more money? Nah. So generally speaking, they'll say zero percent interest based upon the fact that they don't regard that as being interest. Nah. So they say zero percent interest, these are the payments. That can't that, that can't be done. If it's uh, what they call higher purchase, and even if it didn't have late fee, they say it's higher purchase. Where you rent it for a period of time, and then they have what at the end at the end what they call balloon payment. Now, this is not permissible. Why? Because it contains two contracts within one. Now, and the Prophet is he uh, forbade having two contracts within one. The two contracts within this one is the fact that you have uh, the first contract, which is the hire. They even tell you the two contracts. The first contract is the hire. Second contract is the purchase. Now, hire purchase. So you can't have those two contracts because there's two contracts in order for you to get that one asset, which is the car. Now, you have to only have one contract. Whether it's, your, if you're hiring it, you're hiring it, and then obviously give it back. If you're purchasing it, you're purchasing it. But you can't be hiring it and purchasing it at the same time. Now, uh, if now, for example, though, you were to come to an agreement with someone or a comp even a company, and you were to say, listen, I'm going to make a payment of this amount every month, um, but you cannot put these late payments into the contract or whatever else and they agree to it for whatever reason, then that's, that's, that's permissible. Now, even if, for example, what you may find is that someone say, okay, I'll if you sell the car now, I'll sell you the car now. If you buy it now, it's 10,000. If you pay an installments of 1,000 pounds a month for a year, it ends up being what? That's the chicken. Sultan. This is permissible. Now, this is not riba. Because this is not this is not you you haven't made an agreement upon any anything at that point, right? If you agreed that 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 first that first uh, payment or that first manner manner of paying, then this is something which is advantageous for you, advantageous for them. If you agree the the second one, it's, it's also advantageous for you, advantageous for them. If you pay the ten thousand, it's advantageous for you because you pay less, and it's advantageous for them because they get all the money at once. The second one is advantageous for you because you are able to pay off in a more in a more manageable manner, and advantageous for them because they end up having more in the end. Now, so either one is, is correct is, is okay. Now, it's not riba 
in relation to because you're not you're not dealing with the same commodity. Now, if it was a case of I'm giving you ten thousand pounds and you're giving me twelve thousand pounds back, then this is your brother. So you're dealing with the same commodity. Yeah, it makes sense. Allah knows best if you say accountable. Allah, Allah Ta'ala knows best. But at the same time, you you should always look for opportunities to give down. Now, and there, there's, it's very rare that you're going to find a scenario that prevents you from giving down. Does that make sense? Like, do it this way. The, the, the Ambiya Rusul gave down when they were harmed by way of their down. So then, in that context, what is going to prevent you from giving from giving them down? Naam. So, not to say that you'd be maybe be blameworthy, Allah Ta'ala knows best. But at the same time, you have uh, opportunity to give them dawah and, and give them a clear breakdown of the dawah of, of Islam. Allah Ta'ala knows best. Makes sense. Um, in terms of giving them your wealth, generally speaking, you, you act upon that which is ghalib, ghalib al Now, so that which is you, you generally, you, what, what is generally uh, you perceive from it. The best case to do, if they're asking for money for food, buy them food. Now, because you are, they're asking for something, now, which is food. So buy them the food, inshallah. If they refuse the food, then you know that they didn't want it for the food. Oh, generally speaking, they didn't want it for the food. But if someone's genu genuinely in need, maybe sometimes, maybe it's a Muslim. So when we say beggar, sometimes you have a beggar on the street. But sometimes you might just have a brother that you see about, and he just asks for money. Sometimes they, they, they pop up in communities. Now I'm going to just ask for money. And what? there's no harm in giving the money if it's towards lawyers that they need it. However, what is better is that you direct them towards resources in order for them to earn money in any way, shape, or form. So if a brother comes, for example, and he's asking for money, I aid him. If, if it seems like it's a, it's a genuine case, and uh, by way of giving that money, sadaqah, inshallah khair. But at the same time as well, you want to aid him in terms of uh, as not being in that scenario anymore. You want to help, you want to aid him in terms of that immediate situation, but also going forward as well. So. It's just one. It's just one payment you're making. 
it's different from a higher purchase where you're hiring, you don't own the car, and at the end you purchase balloon payment, so make the balloon payment and then you purchase and then it's your car. That's the two, that's those are the two contracts. You have the higher contract and the purchase contract. This essentially is just a, is a contract of uh, paying installments, monthly installments. So it's not an issue, is it, is it being a con one contract or there being more than one contract in the phone contract. However, what may be an issue with it is that if they put in, say it's been the late payment, if you don't pay the bill by this date, we're going to charge you late payment. So alarm is good. First, I can only talk about Amazon, right? Uh, I don't know the, how the other companies operate, but I know how Amazon operates. With Amazon, I don't know if anyone, I think a lot of people are willing to Amazon. With Amazon, they have something called uh, an age, uh, age verification password. Age verification password, generally speaking, is going to be something haram. Naam. If it's alcohol or Nazareth, pass it on. Don't ever open, let them open. No. What you should do is just always return those passwords. So if you find that you have that, return it. Just return it back to, uh, to, to the depot. You say, I didn't deliver it. You say, I didn't deliver it. No. No. With Amazon, they don't. They will, they, they will, you just send it, just give it back, and it will just go back out for delivery the next day. And, and, that's, and that's, that's all it is. As for the other companies, I don't know. But with Amazon, it's quite straightforward. What I would say is that if you ever get age verification parcels, just send it back. I take it back to the depot. Could you? Yeah. Colored sex, Germany is, 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 is definitely is a, a, a wajib when you're talking about giving something, giving them something back forever. But um, what they do with it is up to them. You're not you're not involved in that in that dealing. If that makes sense, you've given it back to them, so it's their possession. But you you're not involved in any part of 
the delivery process. Essentially, giving back to them, you've removed yourself from the delivery process. An alarm bell for them. Alarm, because you, you're not, an, you're not involved in packing it. You're not involved in giving it to a delivery driver. You're not involved in giving, you just take, said, listen, this is not, I'm not delivering this, take it, do whatever you want to do with it. Like, you just, you've removed yourself from that process, from that thing, if that makes sense. So, um, but like, generally speaking, you'd want to try and avoid things like that anyway. Now, if you can. For example, I know one brother, he used to go in the bag before his route and he said, look for all the alcohol and take it out of it at the beginning. Right? Do it like that. But the point is that you try to do your best in terms of all of these, all of these situations. Or you look for routes that, that have less alcohol, for example, or don't have alcohol. You know? Whatever reason, Allah is best delivered for they don't drink alcohol. Like that. They don't order Amazon. Amazon, they don't order alcohol. So if you want to do Amazon, do it legal. No. But um, so that's all I can, I can. In terms of Amazon, I know that's how that works. Other companies, maybe you can just give the items back straight away. I don't know. And then may, there may be other companies where they say you have to deliver everything. You know, some companies, they'll say that we don't want to, we don't want you to bring back a single item. But because Amazon have so many parcels, for example, you might be delivering, depending on who, you know, what, what kind of Amazon is doing, but you might be delivering 250 parcels a day. So if you bring back one parcel out of 250, this kind of gets lost in, in the, the system, if that makes sense, or it doesn't get taken account for like that. So it all depends, it all depends. Um, but what I would advise if you, would, if you were to do something in terms of delivery is work more in terms of delivery where you're working from warehouses where you're just delivering to like warehouses and things like that where you're not delivering to homes and things that are haram. Alarm us. No. Uh, I don't know too much about Forex myself in terms of the, the ruling of it and what it entails. Um, I believe there has been some something mentioned about it. Um, but I don't know too much about it. Uh, that's my alarm as well. Legend Dynasty, wow. You're trading currency. Gambling. I'm not necessarily gambling, no. But um but you're trading money with money. Your currency is different, yeah. Gold, yeah, yeah. Alarm is good. We should, yeah, yeah, send it, send it. Inshallah, that'll be good to see you. Jazakallah khair. Barakallah fikum, Uh, If we can let the sisters be first, inshallah, barakallah.